Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So there was some news yesterday that kind of stirred up a conversation that has been ongoing amongst UGA fans for kind of quite some time. And by the way, by quite some time, I mean in some respects, maybe even a number of years here. We finally found out yesterday where former Georgia quarterback JT Daniels is going to land. Now, Daniels is actually still a student at UGA. He has to finish his coursework, but eventually he's going to transfer and you know, the, the thought was he was down to three finalists of Oregon State and Missouri and West Virginia. And later yesterday, or I should say yesterday, we found out that Daniels is going to choose West Virginia to be paired again with a guy that he at least spent a brief period of time working with at a, at a USA, former offensive coordinator there, Graham Harrell, now with West Virginia, that Daniels is on his way to Morgantown to be a part of that program there in the Big 12. And I said before, this news we've kind of all been waiting to find out where daniels is going but just the announcement of the the news the announcement of all this just kind of restarts that quarterback conversation amongst uga fans now to daniel's credit he has done nothing to throw any logs in that fire whatsoever that i have said before that you know sometimes being a dgd is not so much about like hey did you give four years to this program and did you do this sometimes it can be about a moment a moment alone can make you dgd i've said in the past that look at the way that jacob eason left georgia after the 2017 season you know losing his starting job stepping aside letting jake Fromm lead uga to the college football playoff never doing anything to create a quarterback controversy I think that, in my mind, makes Jacob Eason kind of a DGD for Georgia, even though he didn't play very much here. And, you know, when he did play, he played kind of only okay. But the way in which he left the program helped preserve a very special season for Georgia. I think Eason should get some credit for that. I think the same thing's kind of true for JT Daniels there as well. Daniels obviously has plenty of fans among UGA fans, plenty of supporters among the media. If Daniels had wanted to stir things up he had every right to do so if he wanted to stroke his own ego at the expense of the team or at the expense of the guy that he got beat out by Stetson Bennett he had every opportunity to do that but but Daniels himself never did even in the story with Pete Thamel at ESPN.com uh JT says some pretty nice things about Georgia that there is a very DGD way in which Daniels leaves this program even though his time at UGA doesn't kind of end up being the the everything that maybe some folks hoped it would be his departure certainly was very it was done in a very classy way i think you gotta give him a lot of credit for that but even if daniels doesn't throw logs in this fire stirring it all up even if that's you know uh you know not daniel's intent there are still some fans who kind of couple this with some of the other quarterback news that's been out there for uga in recent years that daniels i guess becomes what the third five-star quarterback to transfer from this program under kirby smart you go back to as i mentioned before jacob eason there was justin fields in between all of this and then daniels here most recently and when you have five stars leaving the program and the former walk-on leading the team even if he was leading them to a national championship there's an element among some Georgia fans where it almost seems like bizarro world. Wait, why are the guys that are you know sort of measurably more talented leaving and the guy that would seem to be measurably less talented, the guy that gets pegged as the starter, and despite the fact that Georgia wins the national championship, that the decision worked, there's still some Georgia fans who are like, yeah, but I'm still confused by it. And I said this a lot during the year last year of there's no denying this is weird. Now, just because it's weird doesn't mean that it's wrong, but there's no denying that it's weird. And so I don't actually fault some Georgia fans who want to try to make some sense out of what they see as weird. Now, there is a pocket of Georgia fans that I do fault who just want to be unhappy and want to see if they can drag somebody else to an unhappy place. I do fault them, but I'm not even talking about them for a moment. I'm talking about uh, another group of Georgia fans who are like, this is just sort of confusing. And I totally understand that. And I don't know that I'm smart enough to take the confusion away from this uh, topic, but let me see if for a couple of minutes here, I can give you another way to think about what is obviously a hot topic amongst Georgia fans and the kind of topic because the five-star guys are leaving, the walk-on is thriving, like what this might mean for the present tense for Georgia, but maybe more importantly, the future. We clear on this? All right, let's try it this way. So let's say that Georgia, who we've described many times, 
is kind of charting its own path right now. I talked earlier this week about what the Kirby doctrine is. That Kirby seems uh, intent right now to build his program in a slightly different way than some other programs are being built right now. And I believe that ex- helps explain why Georgia won the national championship this past season. But let's put that aside here. Let's say that Georgia had to emulate another program. That you had to build Georgia a, a blueprint for success based on the success of another college football program. And I were to ask you, hey, you can't chart you you can't go about this your own way. You can't chart your own path. You've got to pick somebody else's blueprint for success. And if I were to ask you that and say which program do you want to pick, my guess is is your only choices would be a small handful of programs that you would pick one of the teams that has won a national championship in the college football playoff era. If if we had to make a pick of which blueprint Georgia should copy, it's probably one of the teams that's been winning championships most recently. That means it's Ohio State. That means it's Alabama. That means it's Clemson. That means it's LSU. Those are the four other teams besides UGA that have won national championships in the college football playoff era. And if you had to copy one of those programs, uh, if you're, or if you've had to copy another program, that's probably one of the programs that you would copy. And among those that have won national championships, if you uh, could pick one of those to copy, I still think that Alabama is probably the one that you would copy because they've been doing it longer and they've been doing it better than the other programs on that list. And it just so happens at one point in time, Kirby Smart, because he worked at Alabama and came to UGA on the heels of having that success as Nick Saban's top lieutenant, I think it was largely assumed that that Kirby Smart was going to copy Alabama. In fact, there were some people there for a while who thought he might be trying to copy Alabama too much. But uh, but 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 certainly the notion of Kirby Smart building a program using a similar method for success that Nick Saban has built at Alabama. This is not the first time that that kind of conversation has come up. So for the sake of conversation here for a moment, let's say that Georgia was going to copy what Alabama has done in terms of building the success that it's built. And if you had to choose one program to copy, Alabama would probably be the one that you would do so. So I think it sometimes gets assumed that the fact that Georgia as of yet under Kirby Smart has not had a great quarterback. And I don't think that Georgia has had a great quarterback yet under Kirby Smart. I think they've had good quarterback play at times, but I don't know that Georgia's ever had a great quarterback so far in the Smart era. I think that some people think that demonstrates a lack of competency on the part of the Georgia program, whether Smart, who's led the program, or other offensive coordinators who've helped him manage that side of the ball. I think that some people have assumed that there is a lack of competency at Georgia that has prevented Georgia from having a great quarterback. But what if that's not the case? As I told you before, I wanted to give you a a, a different way to look at the quarterback situation. What if the lack of great quarterbacks so far at Georgia is not about a lack of competency, but a lack of maturity for the program? And to, to sort of further cement that idea, let me mention Alabama again here a moment ago, because If you look at Alabama under Nick Saban, obviously the program in recent years has been dominated by great quarterback play. Bryce Young just won the Heisman Trophy. Mac Jones before that led him to a national championship. He's starting the NFL. Tua Tungo-Vailoa kind of had the whiff of kind of being an all-time great there for a while. I think the jury's out on that now, but certainly had moments at Alabama where he played really well. And then, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts before that kind of stepped up and gave Alabama kind of a new level of quarterback play as as, as a freshman there in 2016. But prior to that, That is not what the Alabama quarterback situation was at all. And I think it's important to remember that as the Alabama program matured under Nick Saban, the level of quarterback play got much better. In fact, let me show this on the screen here for a moment. So Nick Saban was hired as Alabama's coach for 2007. And so if you look at from that moment he was hired in 2007 until prior to the 2016 signing class when Jalen Hurts came in and started a domino of big-time quarterback play after that, Look at the other four- and five-star quarterbacks that Nick Saban signed before that. Now, I haven't included three-star guys here because none of them really did anything. I don't have room on the screen for all of this. But here are the four- and five-star quarterbacks that Nick Saban signed from 2007 through 2015. Do you remember Star Jackson in 2008? Whatever happened to him? I think he ended up at Georgia State. A.J. McCarron was a very good player, went on to win you know national championships, that, so that's a big win for uh, Nick Saban. But how about the 2010 class? five-star quarterback Philip Sims I honestly have no memory of him whatsoever I I literally I I don't I don't remember him at all 
How about 2013, Cooper Bateman, a four-star, did nothing while at Alabama. David Cornwell, 2014, a four-star, did nothing while at Alabama. There was five-star Blake Barnett in 2015, did nothing while at Alabama, transferred out. I don't think he did anything. I think at Arizona State he went to, I believe. I don't think he did much of anything there there as well. So you really, from the period that Nick Saban first took the job in 2007, all the way to 2016, you really only have one quarterback recruit that succeeded for Nick Saban. That was A.J. McCarron, and he succeeded in a big way. But Nick Saban didn't recruit another player out of high school capable of starting for him until Jalen Hurts in 2016. That was Nick Saban's 10th recruiting class while being in Alabama. And after that, the, the dominoes fall, and it goes from Jalen Hurts to a tongue of Iloa, and tongue of Iloa to you know, uh, passing the baton to Mac Jones, and then Bryce Young steps and everything else. But all of that didn't happen until Nick Saban got to his 10th recruiting class at Alabama. For Kirby Smart at Georgia this upcoming season, he's about to have his 8th recruiting class. So there is a level of program maturity that Nick Saban saw at Alabama once he got to a point that Kirby Smart is now only just reaching there at UGA. And so when you think about the way in which everything else has been built out at Georgia – and the program has found a way to win a national championship. The program has found a way to be a year-in, year-out contender, despite the fact that much like Alabama had in the early days of Nick Saban, less than great quarterback play, I think it does speak to a notion that as guys like Arch Manning in the class of 2023 or Dylan Rail in the class of 2024, as guys like this start to make their choice, when they figure out where they want to go, it just becomes very easy to imagine they'll do like – Tua once did and Bryce Young once did of let me just make the obvious and irresistible choice and go to the program that's got everything else built out around for me that's what happened for Alabama I think there's a very good chance that's what's going to happen uh maybe for UGA there as well that is the program matures as Kirby Smart who was a rookie head coach when he took over in 2016 as he gets more and more chance to fully build out and develop this program that better quarterback play is on the horizon much the same way it was for Alabama now let me make one final quick point about this and then we'll move on the obvious retort to all of this is, well, B.A., what about the programs who've had better quarterback play than UGA? Because it's not just Alabama out there. There are other programs who've had better quarterback play than UGA. What about them? I think the other programs that you might mention here in, in this regard also kind of speak to the point that I'm making right now. Because look at LSU for a moment. In 2019, that's a team that's won the national championship, had one of the best quarterbacks in recent college football history. But when he left, what else did they have? Nothing. They've been off the national radar ever since then. Look at Clemson. Clemson was a fixture in college football playoffs year after year after year. They had great quarterback in Deshaun Watson. They passed the baton after that to Trevor Lawrence. Truly great quarterback play. But in the aftermath of those quarterbacks not being there, when you don't have all-time great quarterback on your roster anymore, all of a sudden the lack of depth on the offensive line, the lack of proven playmakers, all of a sudden some of the other holes that Clemson has in its roster become more paramount. Once again, great quarterback covers up a lot of foibles when you don't have that maybe you realize oh this isn't quite as mature quite as fully developed a roster as maybe we thought it was when they had a great quarterback who was distributing the football same for an Ohio State who is good year in year out almost always seems to have a great quarterback but sometimes it seems like great quarterback is about all Ohio State has had going for in some respects or, or maybe not as fully built out in other aspects of the game so post-2014 we haven't seen Ohio State winning national champions we've seen them be good but we've seen them fall short sometimes the the quarterback without the rest of the program to go around it uh, maybe that ends up being kind of the uh, reason why there so let me put a bow on all of this for the Georgia fan who says hey this program hasn't been great at quarterback getting under Kirby Smart I believe you're just factually correct. I think that's true. I think Georgia's been good at quarterback, but not great. And for the Georgia fan who says, and it's just really outrageous that that former five stars aren't thriving here at UGA. That's the part I might disagree with because I just showed you a laundry list of former highly rated recruits at quarterback for Alabama that didn't thrive either until eventually the program is so good that it also got the very best quarterback there as well. So for those of you who are kind of trying to figure out what's going on at quarterback, my, my request to you is this. Just be patient. Let it play out. Enjoy the success that UGA is enjoying with the idea there's even more success potentially to come on the horizon as Kirby Smart one day builds a program that's just as mature as the one was at Alabama when Nick Saban finally started getting his own great quarterbacks as well. 
My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Hello to you, and thanks for being with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video. Uh, we start 945 for our first and 15 on dognation.com and the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Glad to have all of you with us on video. Quick apology there as well. I know we had uh, a pretty significant audio issue at the beginning of the show yesterday. Uh, I apologize for that. I heard from some of you on that, but hopefully... Uh, we're all cleared up on that. Certainly, uh, apologies there on that. By the way, radio audience at noon on Athens Sports Radio 96 The Rev. Glad to have you there, too. Podcast form, Apple, Spotify, Google, worldfamousdognation.com. Bunch of different ways for you to get in touch, and we appreciate you being there for us as we do all of that. And a big thanks to our friends at Merriweather and Tharp for making it all possible. I know our folks at Merriweather and Tharp looking forward to G-Day on Saturday. Love any chance to be down there in Athens, Bob and Ashley Tharp and the whole family. I'm sure they'll be you know, around and having a good time there on that. And many of you looking forward to doing the same thing. But obviously, it's not all fun and games this time of year for some of the folks here in our audience. We know that the subject that Merriweather and Tharp has really been devoted to, uh, dedicated to for so many years, that's prominent top of mind for many of you. I'm talking about the divorce process. You maybe you've tried to save your relationship and you've come to the conclusion that it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to be savable. And I am sorry for you on that. But the one thing I can tell you is you will be made happier. You will be made whole again when you make the decision to put a strong advocate on your side doing big work for you to help build a better future for yourself on the other side of this divorce process. That's where Meriwether and Tharp steps in. They're your source for Georgia divorce. They understand the law. They understand how the law can be leveraged to your benefit for some of the issues that matter more than anything else in this life. I'm talking about finances and your relationship with your children, things like that. That's the kind of thing that Meriwether and Tharp understands, not just the, the legal ramifications, but also the emotional toil that something like this uh, takes on you. So let Meriwether and Tharp do work for you. Let them listen to your stories. It's just kind of nice to have somebody sit there and listen to you. And that's what Meriwether and Tharp wants to do there for you as well. It's the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. That's the website, the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. Have a free initial consultation with one of their attorneys. Tell your story. Let them tell you the next steps. And then you'll be on your way to a happier tomorrow after that. But you got to reach out. Meriwether and Tharp, your source for your divorce. Find them online at the AtlantaDivorceTeam. Dot com. All right, we've got Terrence Edwards coming up here in a little bit. I'm running a little bit late, so i got to pick up the pace to get to Terrence. I want to do around the doghouse before we get there and keep the subject of quarterbacks here going for a moment because with everything that's happening right now, there's obviously some curiosity related to, well, what is quarterback going to look like for George on Saturday? You know, we've heard whispers about this and whispers about that. And listen, the, the whispers you have in the college football rumor mill are no different than the telephone game you used to play when you were a kid. You know, you passed around the same statement enough, all of a sudden it gets diluted or distorted or, 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 or something. But what can we expect from quarterbacks on Saturday with Stetson Bennett, the presumed starter, and Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift battling to, to back him up, battling to show they are themselves worthy of some playing time quite possibly. Last week, Kirby Smart took a moment to, to lay all that out of what he's seen from quarterbacks thus far this spring and kind of uh, allowing this to preview G-Day for us. This is Kirby Smart. All those guys have done a tremendous job. I mean, uh, Stets has taken some really good quality reps here in the scrimmage. Um, he's been really consistent this spring. You know, he's very comfortable. It just, you know, when things break down, he, he doesn't have to go make a play like he used to think he had to go make a play. He, he makes a good throw or he runs the ball. And, and usually those are two really good positive things that Stetson's done. Uh, he's been really consistent this spring doing that. He, does, he, he, you know, he doesn't have the snafus that, that, that we used to have just because he tried to force the ball. He hasn't done that. Um, it's come with ease to him. The other two guys have gotten a lot of work uh, with both the ones and twos. Um, I'm, I'm really pleased with both where those guys are. I mean, it's just amazing how far they've come from this time last year to right now. It's like, oh, my God. I mean, it's just Brock probably even further. You know, he was a little bit younger, and Carson didn't get that COVID spring, so they really are both in their, uh, I guess, they're really their second spring, right? But but they've come so far. And, uh, you know, I, I love getting to watch them play with both those groups because you, you see their strengths uh, when they get to go with those groups. And so, you know, we're in a good position at that position, and each one of them is developing. I love what Smart says there at the end. We're in a good position at that position. And I think if you're a UGA fan and you want to, I guess, you know, have what I would view as the proper mindset going into Saturday is I think you want all your quarterbacks to play well. I mean, I think you want Stetson Bennett to continue to take the next step after, let's not forget, he was Orange Bowl offensive MVP. He was National Championship game offensive MVP. I mean, it's a pretty good way to finish the season, and I think you hope to see him take the next step with that in front of the fans on G-Day. 
But I think you're also hoping to see Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff do well because you root for those guys, but also because you do want Georgia to have some some quarterback depth. I mean, quarterback injuries have been a part of the story now for Georgia for a couple of seasons. They're a part of the story for most programs in most years. So having a guy that you trust and feel good about playing beyond just Stetson Bennett, I, I do think is important. Now, as far as the Bennett stuff, there's been a lot said about Stetson this offseason. I think some of it's you know been kind of weird. Uh, you know, the other day Kirby Smart had had said something about Bennett, and I think some folks kind of took that and ran with it. Remember, we played the Atlanta radio interview the other day where Kirby was asked about whether or not there was a problem between he and Stetson Bennett, and it just it's just been a very weird conversation. Uh, you know, related to some of the stuff that Kirby has said about Stetson this spring, and last week Kirby finally got a chance to 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 respond to what some had been saying about Smart's previous statements about uh, Bennett, and Kirby tried to clear the air on that. This is Kirby once again from last week. Yeah, I don't. You know, y'all made a big deal out of that. I don't. I, I, it's like everything is blown out of proportion. I mean, I'm challenging him to do exactly what every player's challenged to do, right? Be the best leader, go to class, make good decisions. I mean. That's not real far-fetched for anybody, but somehow it gets spun into Stetson's like in this doghouse or something. I didn't say any of those things. So I, I think it gets misled and, and like misconstrued because when I challenge somebody, I challenge somebody every day. So Stetson has, has uh, really he's, he's taken on the role we've asked him to do. He's been a, a good leader. He's playing the best football he's played since being here, um, and he continues to get better. So, I mean, I – I want to see him continue to do that, and I, I want him to continue to get reps so he gets growth. But getting those other two guys reps is critical too. So we, we do a lot of strategic work on reps to make sure those guys are getting better and getting opportunities. So good stuff there from Kirby Smart. And look, the conversation about around quarterbacks is not going to slow down or stop anytime soon. I was glad that Smart kind of cleared you know the air on that there a bit. And obviously, we head towards G Day on Saturday. What Bennett does what the other guys do Carson Beck Brock Vandergriff it's obviously going to be a source of great curiosity and frankly it's going to be really pretty entertaining I mean, this is fun and typically speaking Georgia likes to throw the ball on G-Day a pretty good bit we should see these guys and you know barring bad weather which I guess right now kind of looms over us like a dark cloud uh, both literally and figuratively but barring you know really bad weather we should get a chance to see these guys throw the ball a little bit on Saturday and I'm uh, certainly very entertained by that thought all right, so it's Terrence Edwards here coming up on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Thrive today. While we're getting him locked and loaded, ready to go here, let me remind you about one of the big things we have going on Saturday there as well. And I'll tell you more about this tomorrow. But on Saturday morning prior to the game, we're going to do our Kroger kickoff live from the Creature Comforts Tap Room there that day with our friends in the Players Lounge. You've heard Aaron Murray and Keith Marshall on the show in recent weeks telling you about the cool things the Players Lounge is doing to both provide NIL opportunities for current Georgia players, but also deeper connection with their favorite players to a whole lot of Georgia fans. And they've got a huge weekend of events taking place in Athens with the big golf tournament uh, and, you know, a event there on Friday night, but also the the great tailgate from Creature Comforts there on Saturday. We're looking forward to being there broadcasting live, having some special guests on there that day. So all that's coming up on Saturday. I'll tell you more about that as we get ready for tomorrow. But if you're going to be in Athens, make plans to come over and see us at the Creature Comforts Tap Room there that morning. The event itself starts at 1030, kind of leading up basically right up until about kickoff there. Uh, we'll be broadcasting live. A lot of great uh, you know, dog letterman throughout the year is going to be on hand there as well for that, including our buddies Aaron Murray and Keith Marshall. Champ Bailey is going to be there as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun coming up there on Saturday. I'll tell you more about that. But go ahead and make plans to see us before the game there at the Creature Comforts Tap Room with our friends at the Players Lounge. Okay. Now, a lot to do, getting ready for GDA on Saturday, a little late getting to him, so let me not keep him waiting. It's our buddy Terrence Edwards, the great former Georgia wide receiver here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Glad to have you as well with us on the show today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So we'll say hello to Terrence Edwards here. Always great to have him on the program. Chance to kind of look ahead to what's going to happen at G-Day on Saturday. And Terrence, I was saying this before you joined us, that with JT Daniels, you know, finally announcing his transfer destination, it has kind of restarted a conversation that has been ongoing for a while with Georgia at that quarterback spot of, 
you know, folks are left to wonder, well, you know, you've had five stars like Jacob Eason and Justin Fields and now JT Daniels leave the program. You've had a guy with seemingly lesser credentials and Stetson Bennett who's thrived in the program. And to some people, it, the word I use from time to time is it just sort of seems a little bit weird. And I understand all of that. And yet it has worked out well for Georgia. You can't argue with the results. They are the reigning national champion. But with all that in mind, the 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 backstory of what has happened at quarterback for Georgia the need for as a lot of fans are going to say better quarterback play this year because you might not quite have such a historically good defense what are your thoughts about quarterback right now going into a chance we hope to get to see all these guys play on Saturday for G Day where are you on all of this well number one I, I don't see why there's a lot of talk about Stetson right now I don't know if there's chatter about him not being the starter. Going into the Oregon game, that's absurd to me. You've got to have a guy that uh, essentially been a three-year starter now um, with this season upon us. So he's entrenched into the number one guy. Now, what we need to be talking about is uh, every player is always one player away from being a starter. So we definitely need to define and see who's that number two guy is going to be. And that's just going to come with uh, practice reps this spring. And I think the coaching staff will get a clear-cut idea who going to be that number two guy because just like uh, how Stetson got his opportunity because of injury, I don't know, uh, let's knock on wood that he could play however many games that the Georgia Bulldogs play. Uh, who's going to be that guy to come in and or are we as confident with him being in as Stetson? I say no because of the experience and experience matter. I don't care if a five-star come in and experience of a guy who led his team to a national championship. Uh, that experience matters. So experience going to take over right now, but let's see who's going to be end up at two and three right now. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think a year ago you probably were looking into a situation with both Beck and Vandegrift where Georgia, just to be honest, probably didn't feel all that comfortable playing them in a game that was undecided. And to me, the first step for those guys is to get over that hump. I, I agree with you. I think it's ludicrous to think that, you know, right now Stetson Bennett somehow fighting for his job. In fact, I think that Kirby, for the most part, has kind of put that to bed, I, I, I think. But but it is still interesting to see what Back and, and, and Vandegrift are doing in that, hey, is one of these guys now the person that you would feel okay playing in the first half of a game that's still tied, in, in, in the kind of game where – you know, if there was a mistake made, it could cost you the game. And maybe, you know, young quarterbacks like Beck and Vandergriff a year ago weren't quite there. But if Georgia were to leave spring practice feeling like one of those guys would be that guy for the upcoming season, then I just think that becomes an even greater chance of success for the team for the upcoming year because we've seen injuries be a part of this. We've seen injuries matter where, you know, Georgia wasn't able to finish the season last year with the quarterback that it started the year with. And, you know, there were injuries that kind of were a factor in the 2020, uh, the 2020 conversation there as well, that that it, you do need to have more than one quarterback ready to go here. And that's kind of what is happening beyond the Stetson Bennett talk here this spring, right? Oh, most definitely. B, I'm going to take you back to 1995 and see if you remember this thing. I think the, the old Georgia fan base to remember. I, I think that 1995 team when Robert first moved to running back and Bobo was the starting quarterback, and we had a rash of injuries that year. Yeah. Robert got hurt. Mike Bobo got hurt. Brian Smith had to come in at, at quarterback. I think uh, Bryce Hunter got hurt that season. But that, that season was uh, prop was looking very well to shape up to be a uh, very good season for us, and we had a rash of injuries. So I think Kirby and his crew have done a great job and just stockpiling talent. I think this is very uh, evident that he stockpiling talent at the quarterback position. Now – it's just young. We really got to go into and see who's going to be trustworthy to win that number two spot just in case uh, something happens to the starter, like that year with, with Mike Bobo yeah. getting hurt, and we had to go with Brian Smith at quarterback. So uh, it, it's, I think the biggest uh, conversation piece is not Stetson and what he's going to do. It's, it's really is, do we trust or can we or do we have a guy that we trust uh, at that number two guy just in case something happens to Stetson? So – that's the biggest conversation piece that's been going on in my mind. If, uh, uh, when I went to practice and Carson looked very well and, and Brock and uh, Gunner. So we have talent behind sex. And now he's just got to mature and get experience. And I, I just hope uh, they have gotten a lot of reps this spring to kind of see who's going to win that number two spot. 
So if you want to talk 1995 Georgia football, I could do that with you for the next hour if you wanted to. Because, I listen, I have very vivid memories that season. Heinz Ward playing quarterback by the end of the year, you know, against Tech and the bowl game and everything else. And I, I promise we won't get down this rabbit hole too much. But to me, Terrence, that's always like one of the great what-ifs in Georgia football history. If Bobo doesn't get hurt that year, if your brother doesn't get hurt, uh, you know, Tennessee game, Georgia had a real chance to win that game on the road that year. If uh, Robert, oh, I think it was an ankle injury he was dealing with at the time, if, if he doesn't get you know hurt right there, they ended up being coach Goff's last season and listen I love coach Donnan but you know there's a chance that the history of Ray Goff at Georgia could have turned out a little bit differently had Bobo and your brother and guys like that not gotten hurt in that 95 season because just a couple years later a lot of those same players were having a very good year for Georgia that that Goff himself could have potentially been a part of most definitely and you're right Hines did end up playing quarterback that year uh, I think against uh, Virginia in the bowl game yep Uh, so you know, we always talk about, you know, the, the injury fact. It's a part of the game. It, it's a part of the game. But I think Kirby and, and his staff have done a, a tremendous job of, of stockpiling talent just in just in case of a scenario like that happens where the number one guy goes down, that you are, uh, have a guy who's, who's capable of holding the fort down and playing up to the standards that they set for each other so let me ask you a couple more questions on this topic then we'll move on and talk about something different you mentioned being at practice the other day when it comes to Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff we're hoping to all see this on Saturday b- between these two guys but when you were watching at practice did you see much of a difference with one over the other you know Beck's a year older was he using that to his advantage Vandergriff's the former five-star was that talent edge uh, you know, on display, could you tell much of a difference in performance between Beck and Vandergriff when you saw them during practice? Uh, you can see that they're more confident. Uh, you know, I, I don't know the play calls. I don't know what's going on within the play, but you just could tell that they played with more confidence, played with their chest up. They wasn't shying away from the competition, making the throws that they need to, need to make. Uh, so that's the biggest thing about any sport. You have to play with confidence. Um, and they was playing with a lot of confidence because they knew exactly what was going on. Uh, Garner's only been there for a few months, so he's still behind. But Brock and, and Carson has been there for a full year now, and, and Carson there two years. Um, they just understand what Todd Monken is, is trying to do. They try, they understand the tempo of practice. They understand college football. So that's the thing that I looked at is just the confidence factor. Let me ask you one more here, and you have every right not to answer this because it's you know revealing you know information for private conversation. But there was a Instagram post from George Pickens, a reply to something that uh, JT had put out there, where it was kind of I think interpreted that maybe Pickens had preferred you know playing for JT Daniels. That's kind of a part of the rumor mill, and some people assume well maybe your protege Jermaine Burton felt the same way. Did Jermaine, based on your conversation with him, prefer playing with JT Daniels uh, as opposed to playing with Stetson Bennett? You know, that's one of the things that I, I'm not even going to ask those guys, uh, especially Jermaine. Uh, you know, I'm not going. I don't want him to get to even talking about his old teammates or behind their back or anything like this. So I'm not going to put him or myself in that situation uh, to even go down that rabbit hole. Uh, be honest with you. So that's why I haven't even asked him totally fair and i uh certainly understand all of that as far as the rest of stuff on gda on saturday you've obviously played a lot of these and here's my assumption having not been a player and i'm curious if you can tell me this is true that it probably does feel different than a practice feels different than a scrimmage for a young player who hasn't played in a regular game yet you know a a fall saturday that when you do it in front of the tv cameras when you do it in front of the crowd there's a level of you know, maybe butterfly in the stomach that you just can't create during practice. And while it seems like the importance of spring games is kind of being lessened across the sport, there is that element if you're a Georgia coach of, hey, how do you look when all of a sudden the bright lights are turned on, when you got Joe Tessitore and, and Greg McElroy there to call the game on TV and you got, you know, tens of thousands of fans there in the stadium. Is there a little bit of an extra measuring stick that comes when all of a sudden the stadium's, you know, a little bit more full and not quite so empty the way that it would be for a typical scrimmage? So just for, you know, since I, I did play a bit in that situation, for an older guy, uh, once I became a junior and senior, it's, it's, it's a game. Uh, you understand college football. You've played in games already. you played, you know, at 3.30 on CBS. you play under the lights on ES, at ESPN. So it's just for the younger guys, for the, especially for the guys that haven't played very much, uh, get opportunities to showcase 
their skill set. Still, as an older guy, you're still going to go out there and perform, and the crowd is there. So it's a little bit more than a scrimmage and a little less than a game. But for the younger guys who haven't had an opportunity to, to play in between the hedges, it's very exciting for them. I know my first one, I was very excited to showcase my skill set in front of the crowd. And uh, that was a, a, a stepping stone to me being to the player that I was. So for the younger guys and like Dom and Eric, even for, for those guys, they, they haven't played very much. So I'm sure they're going to be excited to get in and show the fans and show themselves that they still can do it. So for the guys who haven't played very much, this is this is their game. This is to show the world that, you know, I can play and I should uh, be able to earn some playing time for my performance in this whole spring practice, and that led up to the game. Here's another thing I'm sort of curious about. You know, like in a previous life, I used to go to Falcons training camp a pretty good bit, especially back when I was up in Greenville. I was working for a radio station. I'd spent a good bit of time up there. And when you're watching a lot of these NFL practices, especially during the summer, like these players get so sick of practicing against each other. They're fighting all the time, like, you know, really hot, doing these drills. Right. It doesn't it doesn't take much. And all of a sudden, you now it's helmets on, so nobody's really getting hurt or anything. But people are slapping and, and pushing and shoving just because they just get sort of sick of like doing the same thing against each other over and over again. Not quite as hot for a football college spring practice, obviously. But I guess I kind of wonder of – after a while, are you just sort of tired of like beating on the same guys and the same drills over and over again? And there's maybe like a little extra edge to a spring game just because for the last however many weeks, all you've been doing is competing against the same guys and you're just a little irritated by that. You'd be you'd be ready to go out and play against somebody else that's not wearing the same color jersey you are. You know, my guess is there is a little bit of competitive fire for these players because they've been, you know, kind of going up against each other in these drills here for the last few weeks. It is. It, you know, it's football at the end of the day. and doesn't matter, especially in the spring game when the so-called lights is on. It'll be on ESPN and, and everything that's surrounding the spring game. But it's more fights when, you know, it's closed doors and there's no media, there's no fans, and it's hot and uh, you're tired, especially during camp. You're just tired of that guy beating up on you or you beating up on him and frustrations boil over, and that's when fights happen. Uh, not too much in the spring game because a lot of times the players know that this is uh, spring is almost over. Uh, but doing, especially doing camp, uh, it's when the hot days or tour days and you get tired and irritated and the guy can do one thing and it just boils over. So along those lines, and then uh, I want to ask you about something else before we let you go. I guess how nice is it to be at the end of all of this? Because listen, these players love getting better and they want to, you know, improve their bodies and improve, you know, their understanding of the game. And that's what spring practice is kind of all about. But I'm guessing sort of like that next day after spring practice, when maybe you get a little bit of downtime. I'm honestly not sure what the schedule even looks like after that for the immediate future. But, you know, to be on the other side of spring practice, I got to imagine for these players, it's probably a pretty good feeling as well. It is, it is. You get a little downtime after that, but they, they understand that summer workouts is upon them. And uh, that's, that's not nice either. The early mornings, uh, getting up, running the stadium, the workouts. I just wish the common fan really could go through a, a life and day of a college football player, college athlete here and understand that uh, what y'all see on Saturdays is, is is very small compared to what a college athlete goes through on a day-to-day basis. And I mean, just being up early before everyone, just the, the workouts is, is tough and it meant to be that tough to, to break you, to build you back yeah. up. And then, you know, once you get past that, fall camp starts and it's hot tour days and I know the rules have been more lax now when I played. I don't know if they can really have tour days anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, it's, it gets, you know, it, it gets frustrating at times, and you're just ready to be over and just ready for uh, fall to get here so you can actually go to class and not just all football and do something different. And then the game starts. But that summer is, is probably the toughest time because of the, the, the stream workouts you go through. So let me finish with this, Terrence. It's a uh, little bit different topic here, but it's been a hot topic this week. That's the transfer of Marius Mims. Uh, obviously, former five-star, elite you know, prospect, seemed to be on his way to a bright future eventually at UGA. Some have been left to assume maybe it wasn't quite happening for him as fast as he would have liked for it to. Uh, and now he's... You know, he's on his way. He's taking you know big visit to Florida State. They kind of rolled out the red carpet for him there a bit. Miami, I guess, has been in the conversation there too. What do you make of this current landscape where guys like Mims are are, are leaving? They're they're going other places. There are you know, reports of NIL money and everything else. What do you make of the Mims situation? So I, I had a lot of conversations uh, the last 
couple of days because we lost three offensive linemen, two former five stars. And I kind of came up with a solution. I know we always talk about, you know, it, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, but I haven't heard anyone really come up yeah. with a solution. So, B, I want to give you my list of what I think it could be expanded, it could be talked about, but this is what I came up with. And my first one is, is the biggest one is, you can leave and, and you can't, you won't have to sit out if the head coach leaves. It's been too many mm-hmm. times that head coach sitting in your living room. I've been a, a top recruit head coach sitting in my living room and tell me and promise to my family that I'm going to be here for the long haul. Yep. And they're there one month, they're there two years. And if a head coach leaves during your tenure, you are eligible to leave without sitting out. That's number one. Number two, you are able to leave without sitting out with three years removed from high school, okay. just like you're eligible to go into the NFL draft after three years removed from high school, you're eligible to transfer without sitting out. That gives that team enough time to uh, have you there. You're just not quitting on the team. I'm not, not going to use the word quit. I don't think yeah. I don't like that word when saying sure. you. So like in men's situation, you're there for a full four year. That's not enough time. I like that to me. Like, are you? What are you running from right now? You got to be able to compete in life. You got to be able to compete. So it's not enough time to you to really find your way. So you got to be three years removed. That give you enough time to, okay, this is not the place for me. One year for a man is, is not enough time to see this not the place for me. Uh, that's number three. And with that, you got to be in good academic standards. You got to yeah. be on track to graduate uh, to be able to leave and not sit out. And if you leave before – the head coach leaves. If you leave before the three years, you have to go back to the old rules. Uh, so in a marriage mem situation, you have to sit out a full year. You got to sit out if you leave before uh, you're eligible to leave. That just, I mean, I just don't like that. I don't like the fact that uh, guys there for a year. I know some guys be there for a semester and transfer. Like that's just not fair in my opinion. Um, of course, if, if you. Uh, graduate on time if it takes you two years and you graduate and you feel all your academic obligations fine you can leave without being able to die essentially you're a grad transfer so those are just some a couple of things that just in my mind i wrote down and just the biggest thing yep. is with men's is just like you use that for a full year like work get get there and work a little bit uh mm-hmm. you're one player away you you're behind mcclendon who played who's been who's going to be a three-year start you're behind uh, Jones, Bridget Jones, who actually played a lot last. Like, you're behind two really good tackles. So, fight it out, keep competing, keep learning, and then your time is going to come. And I, and I preached this last year. Uh, everybody knows I am with Jermaine. That is my guy. Yep. Did I, did transfer and did, is that something that I would tell him to do? No, I would tell him to stay, stick it out, but he decided to leave and I'm going to stick with him. If you see my Twitter, I'm always going to, uh, Exposed and talk about Jermaine. That's what I'm going to do. Justin Robinson is another one. Like all the guys that I've had, I'm going to be on this side regardless. Yep. Am I a big transfer Porter guy? No, I've said that plenty of times. Uh, so, but just being there for one year, like a marriage men's, and you got two really good tackles in front of you, and you could have been a third guy. You're one player away from being a start. So, those are just some of the things that, you know, I don't agree with the transfer portal. Uh, and that's just some of the things that I came up with off the top of my head that to have, so we got to have a little a couple rules there that stop that type of stuff, but still give the players the opportunity to leave if situations change like the head coach situation change. Terrence, I, I like it all. I love where you're coming from on that because I know how much you care about players and I know how much you care about the sport. So guys like you taking a lot of time to think about stuff like this, I think it's really important a conversation for us to have because I know it all comes from the right place when it comes to you on this. And you mentioned the guys you've worked with, guys like Jermaine and Justin and guys like that, guys playing big-time college ball right now. You're doing the same thing with that next generation of wide receivers there as well. And as we say goodbye to you today, I want you to remind folks of how they can get in touch with the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. I know you've been doing a lot of great work here right now. This is a great time of year to be doing football work because the weather's starting to feel pretty good. You can get out of the bubble now. You can get outside again, which is kind of nice. So uh, where is the uh, Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy, and how can folks get in touch with it? Uh, You can find me at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Terrence, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So I love when a guy like Terrence, who, as I said before, this is a guy who loves the game, right? You know, he's made his life out in the game. He's a player, he played professionally, now he's coaching. 
This is a guy who has, like, respect for the game. You just hear that respect for the game, like, dripping off of his words when he speaks. And he also kind of has the thought of, okay, well, I'm a coach now, but I've been a player before. So I think he understands the value of coaching. He doesn't shy away from wanting to push players to get better. And yet he also doesn't shy away from the notion of, well, this sport can't just trample all over the players who play it. You can't just say, hey, for the sake of the game, we give you no rights whatsoever. And I don't know. I mean, I think when it comes to some of the big issues facing college sports, there aren't necessarily easy answers sometimes. But the better answers are going to come from a wider perspective. Someone who has the ability to really see it from more than one vantage point the vantage point of the coach the vantage point of the player and guys like terrence edwards i think are the guys that we ought to be listening to on stuff like this because you know you can be pro player while also understanding the value of of having a coach that's going to push you to be a better version of yourself and you know you can be pro strength of college football and pro stability of the sport while also understanding that hey we need to also make sure we're doing right by the guys who are playing this with their you know freedom of movement and opportunity to cash in on some of the obvious financial resources that are you know surrounding you know this, this sport right now guys like terrence edwards do a really good job of all that let me very quickly say we're cruising on the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and i'm gonna give you more on that topic here in a moment based on what nick saban has said but for now let's think about fun in the sun let's think about cruising with dog nation here coming up in just a couple of weeks or if you can't be with us as we leave out of port canaveral to go to nasa on the bahamas perfect day coco k onboard independence of the seas trust me when i tell you this is a great time to be thinking about your own cruise vacation y'all it's just so much fun i mean that, that's the thing that like, we were on harmony of the seas back in february it had actually been a few years since i've been on a cruise and i just love the thought of because like i'm a very big beach person like you know if i go to perfect day coco k i'm going to the thrills i'm sorry the chill side and i'm just going to hang out like my wife's kind of the same way as me on that if we don't if we're not chasing around our kids on this past cruise we were not which was good times not don't don't don't, don't disrespect to my children but um if it's just the two of us, we're going you know, to plop in a, in a chair, get one of those like, you know, mats and float in the ocean or something like that. That's just what we're going to do. But, you know, and, and that, that's always really fun. But when you're on the, the, the cruise ship, then you get back on board and all of a sudden you know, the entertainment's kicking up. You got live music taking place. You know, you got shows to go to, comedy shows, music acts and you know, everything else. I obviously love to eat. Many of you know that. And so I'm just going from, you know, restaurant to restaurant. Like there's just such a wide variety of stuff that I enjoy eating and drinking and uh entertainment it's just all so much fun and for the folks who are lucky enough to be with us on the cruise with dog nation coming up in a couple of weeks a few days now uh they're going to be experiencing that but as you hear us talk about all the fun that we're having just know that this summer is a great time for you to book your own uh, royal caribbean cruise vacation there as well so if you go to the top of the page of dognation.com you can click in find out more about the dog nation cruise you can also visit our friends the cruise and vacation authority to find out about your own cruise if you can't be with us there for the dog nation cruise that is upcoming so that is going to be a great time all right speaking of the hot topic of the moment nil you heard some of um, terrence's thoughts about the transfer portal a moment ago nick saban kind of weighing in on some of this stuff there too including the topic of nil in particular saban's words carry a lot of weight because he has been so successful and in recent times he's been pretty outspoken about this topic i think i have a quote i can show you here for a moment where saban says the concept of nil was to create opportunities for players that's what it was but that creates a situation where you can basically buy players you can do it in recruiting i mean if if that's what we want in college football if that's what we want college football to be i don't know and you can also get players to get in the transfer portal to see if they can get uh someplace else uh that they can uh I'm sorry, get more someplace else they can get at your place. That's Nick Saban who spoke out about this recently. A lot of folks have paid attention to that comment there in the middle where he says, I'm not sure this is what we want college football to be. It's almost exactly like what Saban once said about the hurry up, no huddle offenses that were dominating the SEC conversation around what 2013, you know, 2012 with uh, Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M, Gus Malzahn at uh at, at Auburn, Hugh Freeze coming into this league and Saban expressing some skepticism about that. And then lo and behold, five minutes later, Alabama was doing the same kind of thing. And a lot of the folks were saying, oh, is this Nick Saban kind of giving this warning out before he truly tries to dominate the transfer portal? He's obviously taking a lot of high-profile transfers already, but maybe getting ready to dominate the portal even more. Maybe that's the case. I, I, I don't know. But I do think you got to take Saban's words here pretty seriously here for a moment, even though 
what Saban is mostly arguing for is the kind of thing that benefits his own program as opposed to what's going to truly benefit the sport all the way around. And ultimately, when I talk about this kind of stuff, Transfer Portal, NIL, even though this is admittedly a pro-Georgia show, I try to come at this from the standpoint of I want to be pro the sport. Like, what is good for the the sport overall? You know, Georgia's going to be fine no matter what. For instance, I think we have some video we can show of you. Uh, Marius Mims, you know, visiting Florida State. A lot of people make a big deal about this. Oh, the guy that just left Georgia's getting wined and dined down there in Tallahassee. I can tell you this. This doesn't bother me one bit. It, it really does. Uh, Florida State could get a Marius Mims. They're still not even in the same orbit as Georgia. They're just not. They lost to Jacksonville State last year. A Marius Mims alone ain't changing that. So I'm just not all that worried about this all that much. However, I, I do think with a guy like Mims you know, leaving Georgia, going if, if he ends up at Florida State and getting the, the red carpet treatment he's getting there, while I don't think that's all that detrimental to Georgia, Georgia's still going to be fine. I do think there's an element that's kind of detrimental to the sport potentially a bit. And I guess let me say it this way. Like, I like golf. A lot of you like golf. And if you watch golf at, like, the highest level or if you're, you know, fancy enough that you're going to, like, the best golf courses, I am not. (laughs) The tracks that I play on are not fancy. Uh, But if you are going to, like, the really fancy golf courses and you really are, like, into golf, here's the one thing you understand. A bad golf course is one in which good shots are punished. That, you know, sometimes you see this with the U.S. Open where like they have the, the greens shaved down so low that even a good shot gets punished. You know, you you hit it on the green, you get it where you're supposed to be, but it's still rolling off or there's too much wind or something like that. Um, that, a, that a bad golf course is often one in which good shots get punished. I think that's what we're looking at with the current college football system. The reason why I think it's a bad system is because I believe good behavior is being punished. Like who's doing right by Amarius Mims more? Georgia? who brought him in here, and even though he's a former five-star, said, we don't care about that, we still expect you to work. Or Florida State, who says, oh, man, come down here, you know, red carpet treatment, you know, whatever else. Like, what's really better for Mims right there? I'd say it's the Georgia, I'd say it's the Georgia treatment. I'd say Georgia's, and I talked about the Kirby doctrine the other day of we're going to bring in talented players, you have to have them, but we're going to push talented players to get tougher because that's better for the team and it's also better for the players themselves. That's the Kirby doctrine, I believe. And I would say that right now the current system kind of punishes the Kirby doctrine a bit. That's not going to be bad for Georgia. Georgia's still going to thrive. But if it's now wrong to push talented players to get tougher to push talented players to get better to tell them not to expect everything to be handed to you right away if that's now wrong if that's now punished by the current system then I think the system is messed up there and I know that makes me kind of the old man on the porch but you know be that as it may uh one more thing here quickly it is not just Georgia G-Day on tap for Saturday you got some other SEC games there as well in fact there's a lot of them there you go look at that schedule so let's see let's roll through this Arkansas is at noon, noon, noon Eastern. That's uh, streaming at uh, SEC Network Plus. Mississippi State's at 12. That may be worth watching because Mississippi State's a relatively interesting road game for Georgia this upcoming season. Georgia's got the big TV spot there on ESPN2. Vandy's at 2 p.m. I wouldn't watch that with your eyes. Uh, Alabama's at 3 p.m. Uh, how about Alabama? Uh, relegated to streaming video this year. Uh, SEC Network Plus for Bama. Uh, got pushed to the stream uh, by the uh, Georgia National Championship, I reckon. Um, and also uh, South Carolina at 7 p.m. there as well. I think the South Carolina game is pretty fun because I do want to see how Spencer Rattler looks there. I want to see how the, the Gamecocks fans respond to him. That could be a pretty fun story in the SEC here this year. My expectations for Rattler are pretty high. I told you yesterday, season win total for South Carolina at six. It's not going to be easy to necessarily um, improve on the win total from the Gamecocks a year ago. They probably overachieved a bit relative to expectations last season but i do think rattler in columbia makes the gamecocks a bit of a tough out probably though the most interesting non um you know non-georgia spring game storyline for me on saturday probably does involve the alabama game the thing i'm the most curious about is i want to see jameer gibbs in an alabama uniform i expect him to be a very good player but i guess here's what i'm curious about it's like we have seen the running game in alabama just devalued so much the the last couple of years this has just not really been a great rushing team the last couple of years well now you've got Jameer Gibbs and as I kind of mentioned I think forgive his own video or what yesterday but you know Gibbs put up huge numbers on a bad team a year ago for Georgia Tech 
is is he going to be a focal point, kind of a, a feature of the Alabama offense? Are they looking to run the ball a little bit more this year? You know, I, I think dominance along the line of scrimmage for George is a big reason why it won the national championship game. Can Alabama get back to that at all? You've heard me say before that Bama's kind of become a finesse program. Uh, you know, does the presence of Gibbs allow that identity to change at all? I don't know how much you see that necessarily on the uh, the spring game for Alabama, but I am pretty curious about that. I'm curious to see what kind of role a guy like Gibbs plays there for that team here this season, and we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let me also tell you about another fun event that's happening for G-Day weekend that I want you to be aware of. It takes place on both Friday and Saturday. That's our friends at the UGA Bookstore. Starting Friday from 4 to 6 p.m., you got how about Trayvon Walker, potential number one overall pick, along with two great other former dogs, Isaiah Wynn, Thomas Davis. They're signing autographs to UJ Bookstore from 4 to 6 p.m. Of course, it's right there next to Tate Center. Uh, $30 autograph will also get you a, a 5 by 7 photo to get signed there. Uh, I'm telling you right now, that's, that's uh, really cool there on that front. And then on Saturday, from 10 a.m. till noon, there before the game, which starts at 1, how about three members of of the Georgia National Championship team all there together. $30 autograph gives you a 5 by 7 photo to get it on. Jamari Salyer, Quay Walker, Justin Schaefer. Quay's another guy that's just flying up draft boards. Uh, that is... <laughs> <laughs> that is really fun to say. Maybe you'll bring one of those Tennessee straw hats. Let him sign that in honor of the hat that he threw when he came to Georgia. Either way, talking about four national championship dogs over the course of the weekend there at the UGA bookstore. A couple of great former dogs there as well, and Isaiah Wynn and Thomas Davis all going down Friday and Saturday at the UGA bookstore. That is going to be a, uh, a lot of fun. I'll also see you at the bookstore after the game for the Dog Nation post game show. Looking forward to that there as well. And as I told you, uh saturday morning we'll be at the creature conference tap room with our friends at the players lounge aaron murray keith marshall champ bailey on hand we'll be hanging out with them there, doing that there too so a busy weekend getting you ready for g-day a lot of fun great time of year with the braves yesterday with the dogs on saturday crews coming up there as well it is a good time to be here around dog nation by the way, follow-up to a story we reported yesterday. I always like to sound like a newsman when I can. That's my newsman vernacular. Uh, we talked about Jordan Davis throwing out the first pitch for the Atlanta Braves, and the question we asked was, and for whatever reason, I'm a stickler for first pitches in baseball. I'm just curious to see you know, who does well with these. We talked about you know Davis's ability to throw. Happy to report, Jordan Davis delivered a strike. I think we actually have this to show. Davis was great in the TV booth. Saw him walking around the battery before the game there, having a good time doing that. Look at him with the legendary coach uh, uh, Vince Dooley was there for the play ball. I mean, Davis from the mound gives you a strike. Y'all, at 300-whatever pounds, that is not easy to do. Uh, that is, I, I continue to be impressed. Uh, just You got Harry Dog there, Blooper. Man, this is a great day to be at uh, Truist Park yesterday. Braves game didn't turn out so great, but it was what a, f- a fun day to be with dogs. Uh, good times there. And by the way, let me tell you who's not having that kind of fun right now. Those lousy, stinking Gators. Long-time national title drop for them. About 4,844 days. Tough to be a Gator, and it's going to be tough again. Less than 200 days from now, this is our Gator-Hater countdown. Dogs back in Jacksonville. 198 days from right now. Beating up on Florida for the most recent time, for Billy Napier the first time. Can't wait to do all of it with you. We'll see you tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, of course, the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. Appreciate you all weighing in, whether it be on Twitter, at Dog Nation Daily, or online at dognation.com. Always appreciate your thoughts about what's going on with Georgia football. We'll read a couple of these comments here for a moment. And then we'll uh, get ready to roll on for you today and come back tomorrow, do a big preview of G-Day before you have a couple of big events taking place on Saturday. Post-game show, live in UJ Bookstore. That's always a lot of fun. And when you think about before the day, before the game, at the Creature Comforts Tap Room with our friends at the Players Lounge, the event there kind of get, gets going around 1030. We're going to be there. Bunch of interviews, fun stuff. Looking forward to doing that on G-Day Saturday. Really good stuff. Brian Whitehead reached out to share that uh, Malcolm Mitchell's got a new children's book coming up, teaming up with um, uh, Marty Kemp, the uh, first lady of the state of Georgia. I guess they have a book coming out together. That's kind of a cool thing. Nice to see that. Hayes Calloway kind of weighed in on some of the audio stuff from yesterday, and I certainly apologize about that, but I think we're all fixed and cleared up and ready to go on that. The ODC checks in. 
uh, on the subject of Kirby Smart saying he used a lot of coach speak in order to maintain competition. The roster is absurdly stacked at every position. Pressure makes diamonds. So uh, ODC feeling very good about what's going to happen on G-Day on Saturday. And it's one of the things that makes spring games like this so much fun. And I guess we're kind of bracing for some weather a little bit. Hopefully that doesn't end up happening. But one of the things that makes these spring games fun is the fact that, my gosh, you do just have so many really good players, or at least potentially very good players that you get a chance to go out and watch on a day like this. And, I mean, it really is. I mean, a lot of spring games across this country are not great football. And some, in fact, some of these things are hardly football at all. Uh, but a place like Georgia, you know, you got good on good lining up against each other. And seeing that there on Saturday is uh, is really fun. Our buddy, our buddy uh, J.D. Dogwalker reacting to a picture I'd put up of very nice frame photo that got placed outside our studio of some of the really cool like field editions and special editions from Georgia's national championship run. That was great to be able to see. Uh, Bird Dog also, uh, Georgia Dog, uh, Brandon on Twitter also kind of enjoying some of that too. Uh, our buddy Red Dog One on DogNation.com, he says, how about three linebackers and three defensive linemen in the first two rounds of the upcoming draft? That is truly an amazing class. It really is. I mean, it really is. And gives you a little, a little bit of angst about what needs to be replaced. But also, some of this is just stopping and appreciating the fact that you know, there is so much talent in one place at one time. It is really pretty remarkable. So great comments. Thanks for being here for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down Today. And, of course, check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised. The price is promised, including, in many cases, if your water heater needs replacing, they can do it for you the same day. Just make sure you find them online at rsandrews.com. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow.